Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Kings 17? And we're going to be in, we're going to begin in verse 8 tonight. We're focusing here mostly on Elijah, some on Ahab, and even less on Jezebel. But the three characters come together and create a situation that uh, makes one of the best Bible accounts of a Bible character in all the Bible, namely Elijah. And the studies that we've been in, I mean, going all the way back to First Chronicles, and now we're deep into Second Chronicles, but we're spending a great deal of time right now in First Kings because chronologically there's, there's a space there that covers mostly the northern kingdom. And then we pick back up later, God willing, with the southern kingdom and begin to match Chronicles and First Kings. But in all that time, we've been focusing on the evil kings because, and especially in the northern kingdom, because there was this constant uh, description of the, uh, of the king in the north that he did evil. Omri did evil more than any before him, and then his son Ahab has done more evil, did more evil than all before him. So what we see in the northern kingdom is that sin and an unchecked lifestyle ran rampant, which finally leads we'll see in the due course of our studies, which finally leads to the collapse, the failure, collapse, and disappearance of the northern kingdom of Israel. So now with all of this unbroken chain of evil kings to the one Ahab who is the worst one, how does God respond? He raises up a mighty prophet to send his word to his people in general and to the king specifically. And not just that, but he emphasizes the reality and the truth of the word that is being declared by Elijah through miracle signs, the first of which you may recall when Ahab and, and when Elijah first came from Gilead, first came from his, you know, his, his redneck countryside home to the refined king Ahab. He told him, he said, uh, there won't be any rain until I say so. He just goes off and leaves him. And so last time then, we saw how he went to the brook that was called, that is called Kerith, Kerit. It's the place of separation. 
And he was faithful to God. And God said, I will take care of you there. It was a remote place. There was no action there. He was, he was way in the wilderness, away from people, away from the king, away from all of the sinful activities. But that's where God had sent him. So he's miraculously fed by the ravens twice a day, as you will recall, meat and bread. They brought it to him twice a day. And he drank from the brook called Kerit. And we talked about how in the time of this severe drought, the brook would be diminishing. Every morning when Elijah awakened, the brook was less than it was before and he would watch it and yet he stayed there. He was faithful to the command of God because God said, I will bless you there. So kerit, the, the, the Hebrew word kerit is separation. It's the place of separation. God is preparing his servant, Elijah. Uh, God is strong. Ali, Aliyah. God is strong. Or strength of God. God is strong. Aliyah. It's, uh, it causes us to reflect on the absolute strength and power of God. Elijah represents the strength of God and he has the whole world against him in that region because we keep reading of how the people continued to collapse into sin. And I have described more than one time how this, the introduction of Jezebel's culture, the worship to Baal, uh, brought with it this uh, lustful, terrible, perverted uh, lifestyle. It was extraordinarily sinful and it broke every law of Moses uh, regarding sexual behavior that one could imagine. As a matter of fact, in the book of Leviticus, there was pretty much of a whole chapter where the people were warned about the Canaanite deity and the Canaanite religion. Don't do that. That's what the Canaanites do. God said he called it an abomination. So the people had collapsed into this kind of thing. And I, we talked about what the groves were. They were more or less brothels where temple prostitutes, both male and female, uh, would offer themselves in a so-called act of worship. Many other things uh, such as that. So this is, this is the timber, this is the uh, direction, this is the complexion of the nation, of the northern kingdom. Each king getting worse and worse, and now the worst of all, has married a priestess of Baal. Is that my pacemaker kicking in? I thought I heard something. I'm alone. Okay, I didn't hear anything. All right. Now, we have the privilege of knowing that Elijah is headed 
to one of the strongest spiritual confrontations in the Bible. Hundreds of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah would go alone. This will be, this will be the pinnacle of his prophetic ministry where he will by himself, he will personally defeat these hundreds of prophets of Baal and he will shame Baal, Baal in front of all the people, both, both pe people on both sides of this issue uh, who, who might favor Yahweh, very few of them, but those who had just been flocking to the worship of Baal. So this will be his greatest and finest moment. But God knows he's not ready for this yet. So he separates him. And he strengthens his faith by letting him just lay there. Just sit there. Just kind of wander around in the woods and wait for the ravens to feed him. I told you that I, I thought that it was probably ravens who went in and stole some of the king's food and brought it to him. You know, I, my, my, the way I see God doing things is he does it right. The brook continues to diminish, but he wasn't shaken. And this is God's preparation for him, separation. Separate him from everybody else and let him know that he has water until he doesn't have any more. And then the word of the Lord came to him. And then the word of the Lord told him to go to a place called Zarephath, where there would be a widow. Now this is, this is where we pick up the, uh, the adventures of Elijah. And so I bring the message, I call it the refinement of a saint because the word Zarephath in Hebrew means refinement. Kerit means separation. Zarephath means refinement. So God tells him to go from the place of separation to the place of refinement. How would you feel if as a servant of God, God spoke to you and said, I'm going to refine you? That would make me kind of uncomfortable. Jesus said to Peter, when Peter was full of himself. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. He has been granted that permission. Now, that would have been scary. And we know what happened to Peter up until he was restored by the Lord when he fixed breakfast for them and appeared to them and then again for another other times for 40 days so there's a place of separation where you just watch God do something and it's kind of neat but then there's this place of refinement where God isn't going to just do something he's going to do the impossible this is where Elijah is being led because Elijah is being prepared 
to show the people of God that Yahweh is God. Not Baal, but Yahweh. And the, the whole nation will either see it or quickly hear about it. That Baal is no God at all. Yahweh is God. So he's headed for that. Now, however, the next stop is the place of refinement. Number one, transplantation. The word of Yahweh came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, or Sidon, and sojourn there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, the widow doesn't know this because you get, as you read the rest of the story, he comes and gives, Elijah comes and gives some instructions to the poor, impoverished widow who has, who apparently is a sickly child and they're just preparing themselves to die. But even worse, it's in Sidon. It's in Zidon, it's Sidon. Now that's where Jezebel is from. That's her home place. So Elijah is a despised man. People were seeing Elijah as the troublemaker. Elijah is the one who's making us go thirsty. Elijah is the one who's killing off our herds and our crops. It's Elijah's fault when it was really their fault. It was their sin. People don't ever see it that way, you see. It's always the messenger. It's always the preacher. It's always that guy. He's the, you know, uh, Ahab called him the troubler of Israel. Trying to lay it off. So he's going into enemy territory. He's going to play the very place where Jezebel hailed from. And he's going to, of all places, the house of a widow. Now you understand, see? I'll never eat any more of that. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm not alone up here. Um, where was I? Oh, we were on our way to Zedifit. The widow sort of acts surprised when, you know, Elijah gives her a couple of commands about eating the last piece of food they have. How, how, you know, Elijah was from a place where men were men. You know, when a guy comes out of the woods and he has moss on his teeth and he wears, he wears animal hides for his clothes, this is a man's man. And walks up to the king who probably has an entourage of bodyguards and just walks right up to him and says, you are an evil man and it's not going to rain until I say so. That's a great, he's a, he's a tough guy, right? Could have, might have brushed his teeth more often. I don't know about that. It's that spot right there. This is the portal to Beelzebub right here. No, it's not. Not at Shiloh. Now, being a man's man, what kind of man's man, like John the Baptist, you know, could eat bugs and, and, and drink some honey? I, you can see this guy grabbing a handful of bugs and snatching them right down and wiping the ooze off of his mouth and 
get him a jar of honey. And he had to get that honey. He had to go into a beehive and get that honey. It's like those Chuck Norris movies, you know. They ran from him. And he would drink the honey. This is a great, strong guy. He didn't need anybody to help. Well, okay. Of all people, a widow who has a weakly child. And of all places, the hometown, the, 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 the home place of Jezebel. In the middle of the enemy. So what does God say? Now this, this really works on Elijah's pride, surely. You know, he might could have said, well, you know, I, could, I can maybe go break open a few beehives and, and scrape me up some bugs. I'll be okay. No. Here it is. The word of Yahweh came to him saying, arise. That is, get up off of the off of the creek bank. Go to Zarephath. It's a pretty good, quite a few miles away, which belongs to Zidon and sojourn there. I'm not going to leave you there. And I don't want you to think that I'm expecting you to settle in there. I want you to sojourn there. This is the next step along the way. When you place yourself in the service of Yahweh, there's no telling where you'll go and where you'll wind up. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. There's the word again, there. If you want to be strengthened in the ministry, this is where I will strengthen you. And I'm telling you to go there, the place of refinement. Now with the... With, with the people being long into the drought, there's hardly any food. There's hardly any water. People are beginning to get hungry. And hunger breeds sickness and weakness. And this is a long journey. Elijah sets out on this journey and goes to the place called Zedaphit. He's never seen the widow. He doesn't know what she looks like. A widow there will feed you. I've, I've commanded it. The widow doesn't know anything about it. You can see it. But she responds. This is the power of Yahweh. Can you understand? The widow responds. So here is the work of Yahweh on Elijah. He starts out at home in Gilead. He goes from Gilead to Samaria. Samaria is a hopping place. Man, all the people are happy and carrying on. Like, as I've said many times, like my daddy would describe them, on a roller coaster to hell. Thinking that they're having a big, good, happy time, not realizing they're going right into the fire. So all this dancing and happiness and carrying on in Samaria, Elijah brings a strict... Stern word from Yahweh, as though the people thought they had escaped their sin and the consequences of sin. So then he goes from Samaria to Kerit, the place of separation. Now he goes from Kerit to Zarephath, the place of refinement. Now a lot of folks have been to Kerit. 
spiritually speaking. It's a beautiful, easy place to recline on the banks of a rushing brook of water, lay there and let the ravens feed you the finest food. That's an easy thing to do. A lot of people go there in a place of separation. They find contentment at the place of separation. But carrot will run dry. And it did. He got up one morning and there was no water. The brook had run dry. You see, the greatest place of service is not found at Kerit. God pours us from one vessel to another until the leaks are all cleaned out and we come out pure. It's a refining service. He has to send us to the place of refinement. That's the place of Zedaphit. In that process, we grow in our faith because we, we've seen what God... It wouldn't have been easy. It, it wouldn't have been easy at all if God had bypassed Kerit in Elijah's life and just sent him to the widow who had an empty barrel of flour and an empty jar of oil. No, he had to let, he had to let Elijah see miraculously how God would bring food to him by ravens and put him at a brook that gave him water until it ran dry. Now he's strengthened by how God took care of him there. So it's easier now for him to go from Kerit to Zedaphine. He knows more about God now than he did when he first went to Kerit. He knows more about God at Kerit, learns there more about God than what he knew when he first went from Gilead to Samaria to confront the king. And the time always comes when you will see less of your circumstances and more of God if you're careful to understand the importance, first of all, of the place of separation and then the place of refinement. We are a child of God and things are rough. Things are scary. Take it like this. It's a refining process. You're a child of God. God doesn't neglect his children. He builds our faith. He gives us circumstances. He places us in, in positions and in places where our circumstances cause the growth of faith. If you're true and if you're real. For God, this is what God is doing to Elijah. Then there's transcendency. Arise, go to Zedaphit, which belongs to Zidon. Sojourn there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. He had to move from, from one realm of existence to another. He had to transcend his circumstances. Of all places, Sidon. We have no record that Elijah 
Ask God to repeat that, you know. I'm like, Lord, y'all, my understanding, this is where Jezebel is from. This woman don't like me. We don't have any, apparently without question. He shakes off the place where he was and he moves to the place where God is sending him Sidon, the center of Baal worship, the center of a filthy, defiled culture and religion. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Well, Lord, would you make it the mayor? I'd feel a little more like a man if the mayor fed me. Could you, could you put me in the house of a noble man or, or a wealthy landowner? Could you just send me somewhere? But to the house of a widow, an impoverished, penniless widow, who even in the best of times was impoverished. But these are the worst of times. This is where I want you to go. I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So it's the land of Jezebel. It's the center of Baal worship. There he would be provided for by a widow during the drought. But the beautiful thing is it became a place of mutual blessing. And this is how God works. To mutually bless us. Someone is a blessing to me and somehow God causes it such that I'm a blessing to that person. This is where God takes us along the way. So he leaves Kerdet. I told you along a hundred mile trip in a time of a drought, scorching sun, seeks out a widow where Elijah's name was a curse. So he moves from separation to refinement and the place of transcendence now becomes the place of tranquility. And he rose and went to Zadifat, and he came to the entrance of the city. Behold, there was a widow gathering wood. Well, what do you know? Just happened to be a widow there gathering wood. He called her and said, please take to me a little water in a vessel, and I'll tell you what, I'll drink it. <laughs> what a guy, what a gentleman, right? Squeeze some water out of something somewhere, but bring it to me and I'll drink it. He's going to find out that this is the widow God has prepared. Even she doesn't know it. Not yet. And she went to take and he called her and said, tell you what else? Take me a morsel of bread in your hand. Who is this guy? A widow who has a sick child and there's nothing to eat. There's no water to drink. Bring me water and bring me a little bread. Now she knows and realizes she may have recognized Elijah. I don't know. Anybody walks around with, you know, skins and moss on their teeth. I bet. Somehow she recognizes because she sees that he is a worshiper of Yahweh and not Baal. So she says, as Yahweh your God lives, if I have a cake, nothing but a handful of flour and a little oil in a flask. 
Look, I'm gathering two pieces of wood and I'm going to come and make this for myself and for my son and we're going to eat it and we're going to die because there's nothing else. I'm going to scrape as much as I can off the bottom of this barrel and shake and somehow get as much oil as I can out of this jar, this flask. And there's barely enough there that I could share one little cake of bread with my son. So here's what I say. As Yahweh your God lives, if I have a cake, bring me a cake. If I have one, I don't have anything but a handful of flour. And I'm making this for my son and me. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Come and do as you said, but first make for me a small cake from there and, I'll, and bring it out to me. And for you and your son, make it last. Make it the last one. You take the last one, give me the first one. Elijah will see, can you understand? Some random widow, as far as he knows, that Elijah has commanded to provide for him. And so he just happens to come into the presence of a widow as he comes into town. And here's what he says. Give me what you may give it to me first. What you squeeze out for the water, give it to me first. You do it for me first, and then you take the last with your son. For thus has spoken the Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, Yahweh God of Israel. He preaches to her. Here comes the word. The pitcher of flour shall not end, nor will the flask of oil be diminished until the day Yahweh gives rain upon the land. Man of God, if you're the widow, I'm about to find out. If you are the widow that Yahweh has, has prepared, that Yahweh has commanded, if you are the widow, you will be obedient to the word of God, the God of Israel. So he gives to her the word of God and gives her this promise. You do like I've told you and you won't be without until the rain comes. You'll always have flour and you'll always have oil. Well, this was her. She went and did as Elijah had said. And she and he and her household ate many days. Look at this. The pitcher of flour never came to an end. The flask of oil never diminished as the word of Yahweh, which he had spoken through Elijah. Every time she went to what should have been an empty barrel of flour, it had enough. Or an empty flask of oil, it had enough. She used it up and she would go again the next day and it was there just enough. Just as Yahweh had spoken. So this was the widow and here's the provision of Yahweh. 
So now, what does Elijah see? Now, what are the odds that this could have happened? Well, 100%. There are no odds with, with God. So how much bread does a handful of flour and a little oil make? Enough. Enough. Always enough. Elijah came to the place then where he no longer sees his circumstances. But he sees God standing between him and his circumstances. And so he knows he is with the widow that God had commanded. He is in the place. He is there where God told him to be. And he is being refined. That moves him then into transnaturalism. It takes him into an arena that is beyond that which is natural. And it was after these happenings that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. His illness was very serious until no soul was left in him. He died. She said to Elijah, what is there between me and you, man of God, that you have come to me to cause my sins to be remembered and to kill my son? Well, we begin to learn a little something about the widow. In her past life, she wasn't the best thing in the world. Look, she was in the land of Sidon. She was in the middle of Baal worship. And she probably, I don't know this, but she probably, she might, I put it this way, she might have served as a temple prostitute at some time. But somehow living there, being in that culture right in the middle of it, she obviously had given herself over to that religion and probably, quite possibly, that religion caused her to become with child and she has a child. So what does she say? Man of God, you've come to me to bring my sins into my face and throw it up in my face to be remembered and to kill my son because I'm such a sinner. It's okay. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere with this woman. Now, he said to her, give me your son. He's dead. She took him from her bosom. She brought him to the upstairs chamber where he was living. And he lay the son on his bed. And he called to Yahweh and said, Yahweh, my God, also on the widow with whom I'm sojourning, have you brought evil to kill her son? How could you do this? I've come, I've done what you said. She's done, she's proven herself to be the widow that you have prepared. You kill her son? And he prostrated himself on the boy three times and he called to Yahweh and said, Yahweh, my God, please restore the soul of this child within him. And Yahweh hearkened to the voice of Elijah, and the child's soul returned within him, and he lived. And Elijah took the child, and he brought him down from the upstairs chamber to the house, and he gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son is alive. Now, this has changed the life of this woman from the center of the homeland of Jezebel and worship of Baal. 
The woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are man of God and the word of Yahweh that is in your mouth is true. Now I know. She is no longer a a worshiper of Baal. She is now a worshiper of Yahweh. Not just that, everybody, I'm sure this is the gospel according to Charles, you can take it and leave it. But how, having had a life-changing experience, could you keep that quiet? How could you not tell others? Baal has never done anything like this. Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the man of God have come with the truth. Yahweh, he is God. Transnaturalism goes beyond the natural. Rises above the circumstances. Elijah just brought the matter to God who lives above, outside the natural. He lives in the, he's supernatural. He lives in the supernatural. And when God was brought in, the natural was transcended. And in that place of service and obedience, God gave supernatural help. And now Elijah is ready to stand before Ahab again. He's ready to turn his face toward Carmel because now in his heart, this man full of the spirit of Yahweh will do what God directs him to do. No questions asked. God, Yahweh, he is God and Elijah is his servant. We'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.